It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ live every weekday morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. Hello and welcome to Daily Thunder. This is our series on the brave-hearted woman. So building off of Eric's series from last week on the immovable man, these are biblical qualities that make a truly godly woman who can stand strong in such a time as this. These are principles that have really impacted me personally in my own spiritual journey, and I pray they'll be an encouragement to you whatever age or season of life that you're in. I'm just going to give you some bite-sized snapshots of biblical truths that can powerfully influence the kind of womanhood that you live out while you're here on this earth. So the title of this series is The Brave-Hearted Woman, The World-Changing Power of Christ-Centered femininity. There's a lot of confusion about what true femininity is supposed to be, both in our culture and in the church today. But when we truly catch that vision of Christ-centered, Christ-enabled womanhood, our lives will impact this world, whether in a small way or a big way. We will have an impact for the glory and the kingdom of God. In this first session, I want to focus on what it means to be a valiant woman. And we'll get into that word valiant in a few minutes. I wanted to lay the foundation with this scripture from 1 Corinthians 15, 13. Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, and be strong. That is a very simple scripture, but it's such a powerful illustration of this rock-solid, Christ-centered, proactive Christianity that God has called us to live out. And sometimes I think we, as women, think, well, that's for men. It's like being strong and courageous and brave and bold, and yet it's an essential part of the Christian life for both men and women. So that's what we're going to dive in today, into today. I want to give you two snapshots from Christian history on this kind of brave-hearted womanhood. And what you'll see in these two stories is that this is a kind of strength that does not come from a woman's personality or just the fact that she happened to be born with an extra dose of courage. This is a strength that can only come from an intimate, passionate relationship with Jesus Christ and allowing him to take your life over from the inside out and him living his life in and through you. The first example is Mary. Mary Slessor. She was born in 1848 in Scotland to this poor working class family. Her father was an alcoholic. She lived in the slums. She worked in factories from a very young age, had a very difficult life, and yet always had that hunger for more of God and wanted to grow spiritually. She gave her life to Christ as a young woman. She began teaching Sunday school classes and Bible studies to the people in her community. And there was a defining moment when she was in her late teens where a bully confronted her in an alleyway as she was getting ready to go teach a Sunday school class and he threatened her with a blade and kept swishing it in front of her face and basically said, if you're going to continue to teach these young women the truths of Jesus Christ, I am going to slash you with this blade. And she basically just stood her ground and locked eyes with him and refused to back down, even though he dangled this blade just inches from her face. That was such a defining moment where she rose up with courage and bravery that was not her own, but was the result of allowing Christ to live his courage and his bravery in and through her. Fast forward years later, she was called to go as a missionary to Africa, the interior of Africa, to villages where other missionaries had not yet gone. And so it was a very dark place, a lot of demonic strongholds. So can you imagine this young single woman from Scotland, this fiery red hair, just going in there ready to proclaim the gospel among people who were entrenched and steeped in incredible darkness and witchcraft and all sorts of horrible things. And she went in there kind of 
with nothing but the power of God, really arming her for the battle. And I think it's very fascinating because she didn't have a lot of books telling her how to be a good missionary. She didn't have a lot of training even telling her how to be a good missionary, but she had prayer and she had the word of God and the power of God was with her. There was a situation that she faced when she was a missionary in Africa where she was in a, a tribe that had so many rules and superstitions and they were a very violent tribe. And if somebody would break a small rule in the tribe, they would usually pay with their life and die a violent death. And she walked into this scene one day where the entire village had gathered around and there was this warrior who was all decked out in his war paint and he had his feathers and he looked like crazy scary and he had this cauldron of hot boiling oil and this woman from the tribe was laying there on the ground kind of her hands tied behind her and they were getting ready to scald her this warrior was getting ready to scald her with the hot oil and Mary Slessor was horrified because the woman had broken some law in the tribe and this was how she was going to die and Mary Slessor didn't think about herself she didn't think about her own self-protection she rushed in to the middle of that circle and stood between between the woman and the warrior who had the ladle of hot oil, and she locked eyes with him. Now, this tribal warrior had never seen anyone stand up to the justice of this tribe, especially to a warrior who was all decked out in his war paint and was terrifying to look at and had a weapon, a deadly weapon in his hand, and she stood there and refused to move. At first, he was taken off guard, and then he became really furious with her, and she, he decided, this little redhead woman is not going to stand between me and what I want to do right now, which is harm this tribal woman, and so he kept getting closer and closer to Mary with his hot ladle of oil and it kept swishing in the in the ladle that he had and she could hear it bubbling and they got to the point where his face was almost right up against her face but still she did not flinch she did not move she did not turn away and he was so shocked by her courage that he eventually threw down the ladle of hot oil and stalked away and all of the village people were shocked that someone had actually stood their ground against a tribal warrior and won and it started the talk among the village people, maybe there is a power out there that is greater than the power of our superstition and our worship of all these other gods. And it paved the way for the gospel to reach that group of people who had never heard the truth before. And it stemmed from Mary Slessor's supernatural courage. That is brave-hearted womanhood in action. There's another story about Gladys Aylward, who was a missionary to China. She was from England originally, and what she went through to get to China was absolutely astounding. You could make a movie just about that. Her, her life was extraordinary. She was born in 1902 in London, again, to a poor working class family, and she worked as a parlor maid from a very young age, but felt God's burden for China when she was in her teens, and she began to scrape every penny that she had together just to get a one-way ticket a train ticket to get over to China. And she had to go through a war zone to get there. She almost lost her life several times. She confronted a man who tried to attack her. This is all just on her trip over to China. After she had been in China for a number of years, she was called upon to intervene in a really difficult situation. In this village in China, down the road, there was a men's prison and all the men prisoners were rioting and killing each other and clubbing each other to death. And the guards couldn't even get control. And so the 
the leader of the village, the government leader, had said, Gladys Elward, you go in there and stop this prison riot. And she was a very short woman. And so what was she supposed to do against all these men who were killing each other and clubbing each other to death? And yet she knew with the strength of God, he would be with her and he could give her supernatural wisdom and courage for that situation. So she walked in through those doors and she surveyed the chaos all around her and she commanded these men to put down their weapons. There was one situation where a man actually had a knife, it was a machete, above his head, ready to clobber her with it, and she commanded him to put it down, and he dropped it. He was so surprised, he had never seen that kind of courage, let alone from this short little British woman who had no weapons on her. So the men all put down their weapons, and they went back to their cells, and that paved the way for her to bring the gospel, not only to that prison, but to the entire village as well. Now, we can hear stories like this from Christian history and think that kind of courage is only for a few special people. It's not something I've personally been given. I didn't get that extra dose of courage when I was born. That's really great that they did those things, but that's only for special Christians. I know I've had that thought. I love reading Christian biographies, but oftentimes when I read stories like this, I think, great for them, I could never do that. Maybe you've had the same thought, or maybe even as I tell these stories, you have that thought. So the key question that we need to ask is this. Is brave-hearted womanhood a special calling only for a few select women in every generation. I think that's the way a lot of us look at it. There are even Christians today who say that those kinds of heroic stories are exaggerated because nobody could actually have that kind of courage and resolve in that difficult of a situation. We naturally in our flesh are not born with courage. We want to self-protect and we want to choose the easy way. And I find that in my own life, I often can face much smaller challenges than what Mary Slessor faced or what Gladys Aylward faced and just shrink back and self-protect. And that is when God has to remind me that brave-hearted womanhood is not just a calling for special Christians because it's not based on our strength or our courage or our ability. It's based on the power of Christ working through us. Most of us just aren't willing to get out of the way and let his power flow through our lives in that way because we're super self protective. So God has challenged me many times to ask the question, am I choosing the easy way or the narrow way? And this is really where it starts. Are we willing to rise up to those hard situations and not shrink back and say, I know the power of God will give me the courage I need right when I need it. So when family and friends mock our stance for Jesus Christ, do we retreat into silence? It's that moment of decision where we say, I'm going to rise up and stand boldly for my faith, trusting that God's power will flow through my life as I do. Or when we know we're called to a difficult task, it's very obvious it's something we're called to do or it's on behalf of another person. Do we make excuses to get out of that difficult task or do we rise up to it in the power of God? When we receive a calling that feels tedious or uncomfortable, do we walk away? Sort of like, this isn't what I signed up for. This isn't what I always wanted to do. It, yes, it might help someone or it might serve someone, but it's not meeting my personal desires. I have every right to walk away from it. Again, these are all moments of decision where we have to decide, will I choose the easy way or the narrow way? When we know God wants us to wrestle in prayer for something, do we easily give up to temptation many of us face? When we know we're called to help someone, do we choose self-protection instead? And when we plan our day and our future, do we always choose the most comfortable path? Now, I know for Gladys Aylward and Mary Slessor, all of those little decisions added up to 
a lifetime of making choices to say, Lord, I'm available. Lord, this is not what my flesh wants. This in my own flesh, in my own ability, I want to shrink back. I want to self-protect, but I'm going to keep moving boldly forward, knowing that your power is with me, knowing that your power and your strength will work through me. And that is what prepared them to face those really big moments of testing with such victory, because they constantly said no to flesh and yes to the narrow way through the enabling grace of God. There are a lot of excuses that seem very reasonable to us of why we don't need to embrace brave-hearted Christianity, courageous, bold, heroic, victorious Christianity. We often think, great for them. That's great that these people in history have done these amazing things, but I can't handle that. I'm not built for that. That doesn't fit my personality, or that's too uncomfortable and risky. Now, how many of us are stopping short of the brave-hearted Christianity that we are called to? Or as women, are we stopping short of the heroic vision of, Christian, of femininity that God has called us to? Would it be possible for all of us who are Christian women in this day and age to demonstrate the same courage and world-changing power and influence, world-changing influence for the gospel that we see in the life of Mary Slessor and Gladys Elward? If we begin to rise up to that, how would the world around us change? Now, we're talking about courageous, brave-hearted womanhood, and there are definitely counterfeits of this in our culture today. We see the feminist movement. We see a lot of emphasis on a woman's strength, a woman's power, a woman's glory. Brave-hearted womanhood has nothing to do with anything in ourselves. It's all about the glory of God and the power of God. So it's really important to understand the difference between truly brave-hearted womanhood from a Christian perspective and the counterfeits that we see in our culture today. And even in Christian circles, you might notice that's becoming more and more trendy to become, to use that kind of language like fierce fighter, warrior princess, lioness, all these things like celebrate the strength of a woman. And that's even blending, kind of morphing over into the church. Even women who have strong personalities, though, and have that kind of that natural charisma that they might have been born with, often shrink back from things that are difficult and challenging and uncomfortable. So a lot of times the counterfeit version of strong womanhood is that we want to be strong, but only when it serves our own agenda or our own happiness. I need to make sure the world hears me and hears my thoughts and values me and values my opinion and values my life. And that's more of a self-focused kind of strength, and it's definitely not going to hold up when we're in that type of a situation where it's all about the glory of Jesus Christ. A lot of times that counterfeit version of brave-hearted womanhood wants to fight, but only when we are fighting for our own interests, sort of like I want to stand up for myself and make sure I get everything I want out of life. If that is the core motive of rising up in strength, it is not the strength of Jesus Christ. It's a self-focused strength. And so that's the counterfeit that is in the world today. The key truth we need to remember is this. Brave-hearted womanhood is not about the strength or glory of a woman. It's about the strength and glory of our mighty, unstoppable God. It's all about getting out of the way so that his glory and his strength and his courage and his hope and his light can shine through us to this world. So the secret to brave-hearted womanhood is this. It's only when you are completely his and no longer your own that you will become an unstoppable force against the enemy and a valiant vessel for his glory like Mary Slessor, Gladys Elward, and countless brave-hearted men and women throughout Christian history. We have to belong completely to Jesus Christ and lay our own agenda aside. I really believe one of the reasons that some of these heroes in the faith, like Mary Slessor and Gladys Elward, were so amazingly strong and courageous 
courageous in those difficult moments as they had already surrendered their lives. They had given up everything. They had nothing to lose because they weren't clinging to their lives. So therefore, they could go and face the greatest danger without being concerned because they had put their lives entirely in God's hand and they were completely surrendered to him. Lord, my life is not my own. It's been bought with a price. And that is the attitude that leads to brave-hearted womanhood. You can be actually a quiet person. You don't have to be like this bold, charismatic woman to be a brave-hearted woman. It's all about the condition of your heart and the place that you're giving Jesus Christ within your soul. So who is called to brave-hearted womanhood? Every woman who has become a daughter of the king is called to brave-hearted womanhood. And this is something we need to understand is that this kind of courageous, heroic femininity is not just for special Christians. I love this quote from Goldburn. He said, The greatest Old or New Testament saints were on a level that is quite within our reach. The same spiritual power that enabled them to become our spiritual heroes is also available to us. That is an astounding thought. So when we read scripture and we see these mighty exploits that the men and the women of God did all throughout the Bible, and we recognize the same spiritual power that enabled them to become our spiritual heroes is the same power that is available to us as children of God. In fact, when Gladys Aylward first heard the call to go to China, she was reading the book of Nehemiah. He was the man in the Old Testament who rebuilt the wall around Jerusalem against great opposition. And as she read that story, she thought, wow, in spite of all the opposition, he went and he did this very dangerous task. Wow, that's incredible. He went in, even in the midst of all the obstacles, and then God spoke to her heart and said, go to China, just as Nehemiah went to rebuild the wall. And she said, well, I'm not Nehemiah. And then he spoke to her heart again and said, yes, but I am Nehemiah's God. And that settled it for her because she recognized it's not about me. I serve the same God as Nehemiah served, and I can go in his power. In James 5.17, we read that Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. So James is going out of his way to say Elijah was this great prophet of God, and look at the power of his prayer and what it accomplished, and yet he was a man with a nature like ours, meaning the same God that Elijah served is the same God that we serve, and our prayers can have the same kind of impact. So Proverbs 31 is an amazing picture of a brave-hearted woman. Now, when I used to read Proverbs 31, and I would read the phrase, who can find a virtuous woman? I used to imagine a quiet, mousy, somber woman sitting over in a corner in a rocking chair with knitting needles and kind of staying out, out of everybody's way. That was my mental picture of what a virtuous woman is. And really, Proverbs 31 is painting this picture that is so opposite of that. It's just absolutely amazing. Who can find a virtuous woman? The word virtuous here literally means valiant, mighty, and strong. It's the same word used to describe King David's might when he wrestled the bear and the lion, when he conquered Goliath, when he slew tens of thousands of Israel's fiercest enemies. The chief characteristic of the Proverbs 31 woman is strength. It's mentioned three times in the description of her life, in addition to that opening statement of who can find a virtuous or valiant woman. Now, even if you look at this passage and you think, well, it's talking about a wife, and I'm a single woman, so none of this applies to me, we are all the bride of Christ. And it's this virtue of being valiant in the strength of God that every single one of us is called to. 
I've heard a lot of Christian women mock Proverbs 31 and say, you know, if you really tried to rise up to the standard of Proverbs 31, you would end up burned out and frazzled and exhausted. Or maybe referring to the idea that being a strong, heroic, valiant woman is just about trying to prove something to God or prove something to the world. That is not what Proverbs 31 womanhood is all about. Here's the key truth, and I don't want you to miss this. Absolutely critical for us to understand that the secret to Proverbs 31, brave-hearted woman, is not striving, but surrender. It's not impressing the world with our own strengths. It's getting out of the way so that God's amazing strength can be seen through our lives. Proverbs 31 sets a standard that truly is impossible in our own strength. We could never rise up to be a valiant, mighty, strong woman any more than King David could conquer Goliath in his own strength. So I think it's very interesting that it's the same word used to describe King David because everything David did in his life that was amazing came from the power of God and not his own strength. The same is true with godly, heroic, valiant, brave-hearted womanhood. Nothing of that can be found in our own strength. It's a supernatural valiance that comes from surrendering, getting out of the way, and yielding to the Spirit of God, the power of God to work through us. There's an incredible picture in David's life when he was facing Goliath, and it was one of the first amazing demonstrations of the power of God working through him. And it was, it's something that Eric refers to as sprinting toward the battle. And it's taken from 1 Samuel 17, 48. It says, When the Philistine arose and came near to meet David, David hurried and ran to meet the Philistine. So put yourself in David's position for just a few minutes. This beast of a man who is completely intimidating, so intimidating, so fierce, so much of a, a fierce warrior that the entire Israelite army is cowering in fear because of him. He is rising up to come after David, who was a young, probably teenage boy at the time, not, I mean, probably less than half the size of Goliath without any weapons and other than a slingshot. And Goliath is coming after him. And, and in another passage, it talks about the threats that Goliath yells out to David. And it's very graphic. It's like, I'm going to rip you apart and give your flesh to the birds of the field. You know, come and meet me. Get, you know, get ready to meet your doom. And how does David respond in the face of that kind of intimidation? It says that he hurried and ran to meet the Philistine and hurried and ran there means to sprint with liquid ferocity. That is an incredible picture. It's like the greatest danger you have ever faced, and instead of cowering from it, you rise up and go straight towards it because you know that the power of God that is with you is so much greater than the power of this enemy. Imagine if every one of us faced the challenges in our lives the way David approached Goliath that day, sprinting toward the battles that we face with liquid ferocity, no hesitation, no cowardice, no self-protection, unflinching resolve to fight for the glory of God no matter the cost. Is that even possible? And if it is possible, how? Because I think most of us feel like, wow, I'm so far from that in my own life. Proverbs 31 makes it clear that that kind of valiance is not meant for only a handful of exceptional heroes throughout history. It's actually the chief quality of every woman who belongs to the true king who can find a virtuous, valiant, mighty, and strong woman. So David ran to meet Goliath. Mary Slessor rushed to the warrior with the boiling oil. Gladys Aylward marched straight into that prison riot and faced the, the man holding the knife above his head. All of these people sprinted toward the battle. The opposite of the way most of us 
act when we are facing a battle in our lives. And for me personally, God has challenged me to change my mindset towards things that intimidate me. So not to cower in an attitude of defeat and retreat, but to boldly sprint toward every battle in his strength and not my own. And just to embrace that enabling power of God, that valiance that is available to me when I surrender to him. So what are the battles that God has called us to sprint towards? We might not all be called to stop a men's prison riot or to face a tribal warrior with a cauldron of of oil. What are the battles that God has called us to sprint towards today as Christian women living in such a time as this? Here are just a few. Victory over sin. It's so easy to just subside into defeat and say, well, this is always going to have control over me. What if we rose up in the power of God and sprinted toward that battle and said, because of the power of God, there will be victory in this area of my life. Or living a triumphant Christian life rather than a mediocre, defeated Christian life. That's another battle that we can sprint towards. Overcoming sinful strongholds, addictions in our lives. Or saying no to fear and doubt. I really believe a lot of us feel that we have no power over fear. It just has to control us. And yet God has given us all the spiritual tools we need to push fear out of our lives. Not through our strength, but through him, through his strength pushing the enemy back when we're being harassed and attacked and hindered by the enemy of our soul to rise up and realize that God has called us to be proactive against the enemy, not constantly reactive and defensive. We have the power of the name that is above all name, the name of Jesus Christ. Are we wielding the power of that name? Or rescuing the lost souls around us or going after a member of our family or a close friend that is in desperate need of truth? Are we sprinting toward that battle or are we sort of shrugging and saying, well, I guess nothing's ever going to change that situation or standing for the glory of God in the midst of the world of a world that is becoming so dark and so hostile towards truth and Christianity now that kind of Christianity that victorious sprinting proactive Christianity doesn't often seem realistic but it is actually true Christianity it's the brave-hearted pattern that we are called to So I touched on this a moment ago. I'm going to go a little deeper into it, but what is the difference between brave-hearted womanhood and the feminist mindset that we see all around us? We need to understand how to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, as it says in Ephesians 6.10. Because it is possible to be a strong woman without being a brave-hearted woman. We see that in some women in the Bible. Jezebel is a perfect example. She was a very strong woman, but certainly not in the strength of God. It was like this demonic strength because she was so given over to darkness and her own agenda and selfishness and flesh, and she persecuted the prophets of God and died a horrible death as a result. Herodias, the the one that caused the death of John the Baptist, again, a woman with a selfish agenda. She was demanding. She was strong. She was forceful. She was manipulative, but this is not the kind of strength that comes from God at all. These are women who are driven by a desire to preserve their own comforts and pleasures, to make their voice be heard. Oftentimes, women who get into that type of, I'm going to demonstrate my own strength, they believe they're fighting for a righteous cause because the culture around us really champions that idea of, like, fight for your own rights. In reality, when we take that mentality, I'm going to stand up for myself, we're usually fighting for selfishness and sin. So we can only expect God to equip us with his heavenly valor and valiance when our core motives and desires are in line with his. So David was motivated to fight for God's glory when he stood up against Goliath. He was was so burdened that this enemy of Israel was blaspheming the armies of the living God, and he wanted to fight for the glory of God, not his own glory. Mary Slessor was driven for love— for the woman that was about to be 
ter- terribly tortured with the hot oil. It was love that motivated her and that desire that love would triumph over hate and cruelty. Gladys Elwood was moved with compassion for the prisoners that were so entrenched in darkness that they were killing each other and she had the desire to showcase God's love and power to the people of her village. None of these people were fighting for their own agenda or selfish wants or trying to make their own voice be heard. They weren't trying to be honored, esteemed, or applauded. They wanted to lift high the name of their God. And that is where brave-hearted womanhood flows from, is that desire for the glory, of the, God, the glory of God. That willingness to say, Lord, I will get out of the way, and I will allow you to live in and through me a life that I can never live in my own strength. So my prayer is that this series will help you catch a vision of the strong, courageous womanhood that God has called you to in such a time as this. You don't have to go overseas and, and do something amazing in China or in Africa to live out brave-hearted womanhood. You can live it out in every single day of your life, in your family, in your community, among your friends. It's all about saying, Lord, I'm going to rise up to the pattern you have set for becoming a woman of valor. It's not something I can do in my own strength, but it's something you can do in and through me as I yield to you. God bless. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder episodes are released every day, Monday through Friday, from our campus in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekly sermon is delivered live at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings with a delayed live stream available at noon Mountain Time. Go to ellersley.com forward slash daily to get all the details. Thanks for listening.